0: hey guys my guest tonight Dale Jarvis is going to be telling us about the legends and hauntings of Newfoundland see in about five minutes good evening everybody how's everybody doing tonight it's monday start of another work week for everyone my week started yesterday right we uh i read from that book that book is a humdinger if you guys haven't heard this new book yet we just started the first day of reading it last night wow <laughs> so many legends so so many christmas legends out there and so many legends that want to eat children it's that's scary But uh, yeah, it opened my eyes yesterday reading it. I can't wait to read next Sunday, I'll tell you. Anyway, my name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also the owner of the... Where did it go? Okay. No button? Well, that's weird. Hang on a second. So this isn't working. Okay, well, we won't worry about it. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. I don't know why the ticker's not working today. Okay, well, can't have everything. Okay. Anyway, of course my my buttons aren't working. Anyway, I'm the owner of the California Hans- <laughs> No more. What was I doing? Investigation team based out of Sacramento, California. We're 45 strong up and down the state. Which means if you have a par- that was quick. See, I went to. <laughs> okay, let's try this again. Wow, it's going to be like that today, huh? And there's my ticker. Okay, That <laughs> makes a lot of sense. Wow, I just went to that place where all the Mario's go during you know during Mario Kart and all those games. That whole drop-off mountain thing. That was weird. Anyway, we're 45 strong. I'll continue. We're 45 strong up and down the state of California, which means we can get to you. It might take us a couple hours, but we can get to you. But the best thing is we also have affiliates all over the US, meaning Oregon, Washington, or Nevada, excuse me, and Hawaii. So we can get to you right? Anyhow, I got a great show tonight. Dale Jarvis is with us, and I just love Canada. Been to Canada a couple of times. Went to Canada as a kid once, Newfoundland in particular, which is what we're going to talk about tonight. And there's legends, just like anywhere else. There's ghostly legends and all kinds of different legends. And and Dale has written some books on that, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So I'm excited about that. Now, here comes the spiel. If you're listening to the show on Facebook and you like what you hear, please be sure to follow. You can follow me or go to go, go to California Haunts Ghostly Events and follow, okay, if you like what you hear, because we're looking to build up our followers. We're doing really good so far, and so we want to keep the momentum going. If you're on YouTube watching the show, and there's that little ghost in the bottom right hand corner with the Sherlock Holmes hat on and the magnifying glass, that's our team mascot and click on that and the little subscribe button will pop up and that will give you the opportunity to subscribe to our shows we have more than 450 shows sitting over there and they're all different topics i'm a journalist i like to change it up so uh there's something i think there's something on there that might interest everybody i talk about the space program i talk about you know spousal abuse you name it i talk about it i'm there It's it's an open door for shows so join us over there now if you're watching the show and you've got friends in the house or you're on the phone with your friend right and you're listening to the show and you think man this show's pretty good share it share it one of our favorite things to say at the end is if you like the show share it with five people because again we're trying to get as many followers as we can youtube shows us no love Mm-mm, no love at all okay so i uh, please you anyway Without further ado, I'm gonna bring our I'm gonna bring our guest in. This will be a an audio-only interview, so I'll be popping up his photo during the interview. But uh, I think you're gonna find what he has to say very interesting about Newfoundland and Canada. Okay, here we go. Hello, sir.
1: Hello, good evening.
0: Good evening, how are you?
1: I'm doing very well. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, I don't know where I disappeared to. That was scary. <laughs> <laughs> I should have known when I couldn't get my little ticker up here, and then the, you know it wasn't working. And all of a sudden, it would just went oops. <laughs> it's appropriate for tonight. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know what I mean about the Mario's, right? Anybody that's played Super Mario, he when he dies, he falls off the screen, and no, nobody knows where he goes. I always think there's like millions <laughs> and millions of Mario's piled up somewhere. That's where I went.
1: That's that. That's a mystery for another time, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about you, sir.
1: Well. Gosh, where to start? Well, maybe, maybe to start off with, I'll I'll kind of explain to your listeners where I am, just just so they have okay. a picture in their head. So I'm uh, in I'm I'm on the island of Newfoundland, which is about as far northeast as you can get in Canada. So if you drove to Maine and then. Uh, drove all the way over to Nova Scotia, got on a ferry. Uh, you would come to the island of Newfoundland, and that's where I where I live. On right on the east coast, you can't get any further east in in North America.
0: Fantastic! I have actually, I I, I have to admit, I wasn't in Newfoundland. I was at the airport.
1: Yeah, it counts. What
0: I remember is um, flying into the airport and looking out and seeing all the wildlife. That's it, because because you come through, you know, you come through the mountains there in from the California, you know, when you're coming in that way. Yeah. And I could yeah. see the poor animals were so scared, and you could see, you could see the, you know, the, the, I guess they were elk or you know or moose just running for their lives <laughs> from the airplane. And I mean, that's how close. That's how they <laughs> took us in. They took us in through like this mountain pass, and you could look down, yeah. and see these poor animals looking back up at you as they were running. Oh my Amazing. God! But Newfoundland looks beautiful.
1: It is beautiful, yeah. It, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful part of Canada. Pretty, uh, pretty, uh, the, the remote in some ways, I guess. You know, it's mm-hmm. a big island, and uh, I live in kind of the more populated areas, but there are some wonderful windswept, rocky coastlines. Uh, really great for uh, ghost stories and phantom ships and all those kinds of things.
0: Well, that's one thing you don't hear here in the United States. You don't hear about the 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 ghost stories up North like that, you know, you hear yeah. about the ones on the East coast, you know, the, the whole, with the, uh, the, the whole thing with the, uh, the, the, the lights on the shore drawing in the ships, you know, the, the, the legendary lights and all that, but you don't hear about stuff up your way. So I'm excited to talk to you about that. And you've, written yeah, well,
1: I'm, d- I'm delighted to be here to, to share whatever I can.
0: And you've written some books on this too, right?
1: Yeah, I've been writing local ghost stories for a long time now. I, I work as a as a folklorist um, and as a writer and as a tour guide operator. Uh, and since, well, since 1997, I've been collecting stories and uh, writing up uh, true hauntings, you know, true experiences mm-hmm. people have had. Uh, and then a lot of also local legends and urban legends and, uh, you know, kind of more, uh Uh, more I guess mythological stories you know about strange creatures or the fairy folk um so yeah anything that is unusual or unexplained here is of is of interest to me
0: fantastic so what story do you think is the most prominent in your area uh
1: that's a really good question you know I I've been collecting ghost stories for a long time and one of the most common types of stories that I hear from people uh is what we would hear call a token, uh, which is a a sign or a a warning, a forerunner that that someone is about to die or that someone has just died. And this is something that I collect all the time from people. You know, a a really good example is uh, a story about uh, a community not that far from me, just a little bit south of where I am. Uh, there was an older man who was who had been sick, and his daughter-in-law was home one day. And she came out into the hallway, and she looked down the hallway, and the the old man, her father-in-law, was at the end of the hallway. And she said, uh, "Pop," she said, "What are you What are you doing here?" And at that moment, the phone rang. And she—it was back in the days when phones had cords. You—you might remember those. (laughs) She she reached out and she grabbed the phone off the wall, and and uh, and it was her husband phoning from the hospital to say that his father had just passed away. And so with the phone in one hand, you know, she looked back down the hallway and and the grandfather was was gone. Um, And that's the kind of ghost story that I get most often. You know, it's not uh, it's not that kind of Hollywood blood dripping from the walls kind of story, but Mm -hmm. very, very common. Uh, And I think you know, uh, uh, a lot of the experiences people have are 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 like that. They're kind of simple in some ways. Um, I'm always looking, of course, for the stories that have a bit more of, a, you know, maybe a bit more frightening or have a bit more of a, a story behind them. But yeah, people are very, very serious about those token stories. And lots of people have them about a family member making themselves known at the time of their passing.
0: You think, I'm not saying that, that, yeah you, you live in a, a an area where there's not a lot of people because you know i I'm sure there's big cities you know in, in there's some big co- communities in newfoundland but do you think a lot of these stories come from people that are just out out in the middle of nowhere and they're sitting around the fire and you know and they're just telling you know they're telling ghost stories
1: I think we do have a really we have a really strong storytelling tradition here you Uh know a lot of our small communities outside of the area where I live I live in the capital city or near the capital Uh city and uh, you know we have all these small fishing villages that are strung all along the coast and for many years they were they were quite isolated and people um, people uh, you know lived in those communities for generations and so there was lots of time for those stories to accumulate uh, you know over the generations uh, and I think it's an important part of kind of local culture to keep those stories alive and to and to share them you know there's lots of stories because we're a, a mm-hmm. maritime place you know we're right on the Atlantic Ocean lots of stories about ghost ships for example and shipwrecks and I think you know, telling those kinds of stories is one way to keep local history alive mm-hmm. and and to keep those family stories alive.
0: When you talk about ship um, um, ghost ships, what type of ghost ships are we talking about?
1: Yeah, so uh, ghost ships can take a number of different forms. One of them, one of the more famous ones, uh, that is still seen, still encountered, is a a ship called the Blue Jacket, the SS Blue Jacket. It was a steamship and it carried mail and kind of passenger freight in the 1800s and uh, it caught on fire. Uh, and th- most of the passengers were able to get off and most of the crew were able to get off. But there, were, there was a, a passenger, a woman, and one of the crew who uh, were lost in that, in that terrible uh, fire that happened uh, when the ship eventually sank after, after it had burned to the waterline. Um, and ever since then people have seen this ship kind of wreathed in flames you know sailing uh, around the area where the blue jacket went down and even in more recent years you know I collected a story from a gentleman who was out on a on his boat on a very foggy night and um, he picked up on his sonar or radar or whatever it was, you know, the the outline of another ship very close to him. uh, And, but it didn't answer any of his radio hails. And when the fog kind of lifted enough for him to see, there was nothing there. And it was right around the spot where the blue jacket had gone down. So he was convinced, you know, that even with modern seafaring technology, he had kind of had an encounter with this phantom, phantom ship. So, m- most of those ghost ship stories are linked to some kind of tragedy or one or another. There's, um, uh, there's a fabulous, we have a lot of great place names here. And there's a, a shoal called the Terrified Rocks, which is one of my favorite place names of all time, I think. Uh, and there was a, a shipwreck there again in the 1880s. And, and people uh, don't necessarily see a ghost ship there, but they can hear the sound of sailors calling out um, at night uh, and uh, you know hear the wails of these drowning sailors, which is quite a, quite a chilling thought.
0: I just find that type of story fascinating. I mean, uh, we were always boaters, you know, while I was growing up and yeah, I, I, I thought about that. You know, when we were out of the water, I was always looking, especially at night, you know, looking around to see if there are any ghost ships or anything like that. Um, especially, you know, after reading the stories on the flying Dutchman and things like that.
1: Yeah. 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 There's a lot of those from here. And I think, you know, we have a, we have a long kind of uh History of European settlement here. You know the the island of Newfoundland. Uh, English started coming in the late 1400s. 1497 it was when the English started coming, and the Basque and the Portuguese, and lots of people were here. The French, of course, and uh, so we've had a long uh, a long history of of travelers coming to the island. Um, to fish, because there's really, you know, a big fishing industry here. And uh, the coastline can be pretty unforgiving. And, you know, th- people have produced these maps of, of shipwrecks, and you look at it, and it's just hundreds upon hundreds of shipwrecks all along the coast. Um, and so it's kind of inevitable, I think that with that kind of history of loss and tragedy and drama that that some of these stories will persist right up till... To modern day.
0: Now, speaking about you know the treacherous um, beaches and cliffs and stuff. What about the lighthouses?
1: Yeah, uh, we have a couple uh, haunted lighthouses here. There's one uh, at a place called Cape Spear, which is uh, the easternmost point in North America. They, the, the, it's the point of land that juts out the furthest east. So, just to give people a sense of that, we're actually uh four and a half time zones <laughs> east of where you are so you know if, wow. if it's 6 30 in california it's 11 11 o'clock in in newfoundland um, oh my God, i so, realized
0: it was that late for you i'm sorry yeah.
1: so the uh the oh we're used to it yeah <laughs> we want to talk to friends who are away you know we have to stay up late um the, that lighthouse has has a number of hauntings. Another really famous lighthouse that has hauntings is a. There is a spot called Twillingate, uh, which is a fishing community on the northeast coast, uh, and there is a lighthouse there called the Long Point Lighthouse, mm-hmm. and with a lighthouse keeper's dwelling that's attached to it, and it's a great big tall brick uh, lighthouse. Uh, and back when it was, you know, earlier in its in its history, the the lights would rotate around by means of a clockwork mechanism. So you'd have to, you'd have to to raise and lower these weights that would turn this mechanism. And then, and that was what made the lights turn around. So one of the jobs of the lighthouse keeper was to keep the weights from getting tangled, which they sometimes would um, because the the lights needed to keep rotating. Uh, And there's a story about this particular lighthouse at Long Point light that, uh, this had happened that the lines of the weights had kind of become fouled together somehow. Yeah. They had gotten twisted. And so the lighthouse keeper had climbed up the, the inside of the lighthouse, you know, through the, there was like a winding staircase that goes up around the outside of the, the wall. And he was kind of untangling the ropes and f- for whatever reason, he lost his footing and he fell down the center shaft of the lighthouse. And uh, just before he hit the ground, a woman uh, caught him, caught him in her arms, and and kind of gently lowered him down onto the floor. Uh, And when he turned to thank this woman, uh, realized that there was no woman there. The woman had vanished. So this ghost had saved the lighthouse keeper's uh, life. And other people have had strange occurrences uh, in that lighthouse as well. Um, Lots of reports of objects moving around uh, on their own. One of the lighthouse keepers told me at one point they had an, an old mop that they had that was always kind of kept for um, yeah, it was a tar mop used for like tarring roofs, putting putting fresh pitch on roofs, and it would just move around. It would disappear in one spot and reappear in another. So whoever this uh, whoever inhabits that lighthouse, uh, you know, is is constantly moving objects around. But it's good to have a. I think it's appropriate to have a life saving ghost in a lighthouse.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Do you think, as I know, there's haunted lighthouses on, on the west coast here as well? Do you think it's this, is that these maybe these former lighthouse keepers still are trying to do their job?
1: Yeah, maybe. There? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it takes a certain it, it took a certain sort of person to uh, to to man a lighthouse. You know, there was often kind of isolated location. Right. And, and I know some of these stations were quite remote or, or in very hard to access places, you know, there might, there might be, be might only be able to get there in good weather, for example. Um, so, yeah, I guess maybe if you had spent all that time there, you know, years and years by yourself off in this lighthouse, it would be, it would be hard to leave, even when your time on earth was over.
0: I agree. I agree. Cuz I know there's there's I don't know about the, the ones up there but I know there's stuff out here where you can only get to the, the thing by boat too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and some of these were, were located on little islands or um, in very very kind of desolate rocky places. So yeah, it's it's interesting. They really do have a a fascinating history. Uh one of the one of the lighthouses here and I'm not certain if there's a ghost there or not. There's a, a lighthouse uh, called Cape Race um, and Cape Race was actually the lighthouse that received the distress call from, about the Titanic uh, because oh, wow. it, was, it was the point of land that was closest to where the Titanic uh, went down. So lots of, lots of interesting history around some of those lighthouses as well as the ghost stories.
0: And how do you accumulate all these stories? Do do, do you research them? Do people come to you with them or how does that work?
1: (laughs) Yeah, a bit of both. You know, when I, when I started off doing this kind of work, a lot of the material that I collected was from written sources, you know, so going through old newspapers or, you know, combing through other uh, accounts of stories, you know, that people had written down over the years. But then as I started to, um, as I started to do ghost tours, for example, in, in St. John's, the city where, mm-hmm. where the ghost tours are. Uh, and for a while I had, for about, well, actually for a long time, for about eight or nine years, I had a newspaper column. And every every other week I would have a, a ghost story that would be in the local newspaper. And so people just kind of got to know me as the ghost guy. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then people would come up to me and say, oh, you know, I, you're the ghost guy. And, and here's, here's a story that happened to, to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I find y- even today, you know, I, uh, you know, I'm telling stories online, or I'm posting, I'm posting little uh, stories lately on TikTok, uh, you know, local stories. And it's, it's quite uh, astonishing how often even just in the comments, people will say, "Oh yes, you know," and and this happened to me, and then you tell me their story. So often, when someone uh, when someone makes a comment like that on a on a social media post or on, on a blog post that I've made, you know, I'll I'll contact them and and uh, try and get as much more information as I can, um, and then because my background is in archaeology and history and folklore. Uh, I love doing the background research. So I love collecting, you know, contemporary ghost stories about places, but then also digging into the history of those places and trying to unearth a little bit of the hidden history of those of those properties.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, as a little kid or or, or rather growing up, did, did, did you hear ghost stories?
1: You know, ghost stories weren't something that uh, my family sat around and told, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a a thing that I heard. But when I was a kid, I was a voracious reader, like I was always reading. And, uh, and I remember going to the public library, and there was a, there was a series of books I think it was Alfred Hitchcock presents and it was like a series of ghosts and creepy stories for young readers. And I, and I, I loved those kinds of stories. And I remember there was a, um uh there's a series of books by I think the publisher was Usborne and, and there was like one on the paranormal and one on hauntings and one on UFOs and again like every time there was a book fair at the school like I would get, I was the kid that was always getting the creepiest uh ghost story books uh possible so I guess it's it's been a lifelong interest uh of mine just just fascinated with um uh, ghost stories. Actually, I, I have a book that was given to me a long time ago by uh, my my aunt and, and I remember her giving this book and it was <laughs> probably way above my reading level <laughs> at the time. It was this kind of encyclopedia of the unexplained. And I remember her kind of giving it to me because she knew I loved to read. And, and I remember her saying to her, to my mom, you know, kind of thinking she was out of earshot. She said, well, I didn't know if he was, if he would like it or if he would be ready to read that. And I, Devoured that book, you know. <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, even from a very young age, I I absolutely loved those kinds of uh, those kinds of stories. And so I guess as an adult, I, you know, I still sort of seek those out. And uh, every time I go somewhere, every time I travel, like I'm always looking for that local book of uh, of ghost stories, uh, and uh, and going on ghost tours wherever I can when I'm in a new city.
0: Absolutely. I was just thinking you're, you know, you're, you're a journalist like, like I, like I was, and that's one thing that I was able to do. Once my interest got, 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 got peaked and all this stuff, I was able to convince the paper to allow me to go on ghost hunts, you know, that, that I could put articles in and all this stuff and tell ghost stories. And I think that that was a huge help, you know, to. Yeah.
1: to my interest. And I, th- I think there's, there really isn't as you know, the, the fact that we're here talking about this tonight, you know, there's, there's obviously an interest and a hunger for it. You know, one one thing I hear, you know, we're talking about like listening to stories. One thing I I hear people say sometimes is like, oh, you know, the tradition of storytelling is dying out. And I don't think that's true. You know, I think uh, with all the technology we have at our disposal now, I think people are telling stories even more in in some ways, maybe not their are not sitting in front of a fire and telling ghost stories or fairy tales, but the people are still um, telling uh, stories and sharing stories and being incredibly creative about the ways that they're telling stories now. Um, mm-hmm. So one one of the fun things for me, for example, about doing stories on on TikTok is that it's a whole new generation. You know, like I, I got on and my my 20-year-old niece was horrified that her uncle was on TikTok. Um, but uh, there's all these, you know, kids in there in teens and 20s who ha- have never heard these stories before. So yeah. it's great. There's a whole new audience, a next generation of kids who are interested in in this kind of stuff. And they're they're going to go on to be the, you know, the investigators, the writers, the researchers of the future.
0: Well, see, that's what I found. I started last last Christmas reading, you know, paranormal-themed books with permission, of course, from the authors, but paranormal-themed books every Sunday for an hour. Yeah. And I started out with this little dribble of an audience, and now it's up to 45, 50 people. Yeah. That are listening to yeah. me just read a book every sunday so i mean like you say the interest is there and some of these people are are, are young people you know just like tiktok i agree with you tiktok is changing in a lot of ways because it, us older folks are getting more are able to get more involved with it
1: you know, you <laughs> yeah i know it's I it's, it's the stuff. sign that something is about to die or change when the old <laughs> when the old fellows get get on yeah, there so there'll know, be something, but, but that's the way that's the way things always are there's always like there's something and, and uh, you know, people adopt it over time and there's always something new. And that's that's a great thing. And that's what happens with stories. You know, we tell these stories and they they pass from generation to generation. And I think that's really it's really important. And I'm I'm, I'm really pleased and happy to be part of it. I, I love um, we have the, we have a project here in the schools. That's called a heritage fair. It's kind of like a science fair where mm-hmm. kids do a little project, but it's on local history instead of a science. And so you, they all go to the gym and they have their little, you know, paper, cardboard dividers and they all have to pick a topic. Uh, and, and there's always, you know, one or two kids that does local ghost stories. Uh, and I love it, you know, because they're off, you know, asking their grandparents about the stories that they grew up with. Um, and it's wonderful to see young people really interested in that in that uh, that kind of world. You know, they're, they're fascinated by the stuff they're seeing on television or, or seeing online uh, and want to kind of uh, explore and, and, and find out more about the paranormal on their own.
0: Absolutely. So when you talk about these ghost stories now, you're, what is your personal favorite?
1: Oh, my personal favorite. Gosh, that's like, that's a very difficult, uh, very difficult question. Um, I, I like, uh, oh my, that there's so many, (laughs) it's hard to pick one. There's, I, I like the ones that uh, are kind of rooted in a place, you know, so uh, often as, as someone who collects stories, you know, I'll hear a, a legend Uh, you know oh there was a waterfall and you know this woman leapt leapt to her death and now her ghost haunts the waterfall and I think you could go to pretty much any waterfall in North America and hear the same kind of story you know there are these legends that get passed down from place to place but when I can when I can go to a space and um, hear a story or research a story that is very, very local. Like it's really about a specific person in a specific location. Those are the stories that I like most. So most recently, uh, just uh, just before Halloween, I had organized a series of uh, paranormal investigations at a local theater, uh, a downtown theater here in St. John's. Um, and the, the building itself has kind of an interesting history uh, it was the site of a, a former uh, meeting house, you know, a religious meeting house in the 1700s. And then it was, um, it was a temperance hall for a number of years. It burned down twice and was rebuilt. And then it was owned by the Longshoremen's Protective Union. It was a union hall for many years before it became a theater. So lots of great, interesting history. Um, and one of the stories... Uh, about it since it's been a theater. Lots of people have been having strange uh, occurrences there. So have, have had strange things happen to them. Um, but there was, there's a ghost that has kind of attached itself to that building in my time. Um, and in, in the nineties, there was a, a young man locally who was very, very active in the local music scene um, kind of in the punk uh, music scene, and he was a music producer. I knew him through community radio, through the co- the campus radio station, and and he he drowned very tragically, very young, uh, and not long after that, people started to uh, see his spirit or interact with his spirit at the hall, the the LSPU hall, which is now the theater, and. Uh, and, and the hauntings are kind of interesting because he, he was just a, he was a lover of the arts and and he still seems to linger around that space. And it's never in a kind of a creepy or scary way. Uh, one of the stories that happened not long after he had died was uh, a friend of a woman that I knew uh, had been visiting the city and didn't really know anyone in the community, but, you know, had gone out to see a play at this theater and there was an empty seat beside her. And then the next seat over there was this young man, kind of like long, dark hair, black leather jacket, uh, enjoying the show uh, as she was. And so she thought, oh, you know, I don't know anyone here. I'm, I'm going to say hello when the, when the show ends. And when, you know, the, the lights came up, she turned, you know, over to say hello to this young man. And there was nobody there and she thought oh he must have slipped out you know while while the applause was happening or something mm-hmm. um, and then when she left and went back to the her friend's house uh, her friend was a stage manager involved with the local theater community and described what had happened and her friend said what did, what did this young fellow look like and she described him with the, the long hair the black leather jacket and uh, the woman said, "Oh yeah, that's that's Fred. He's, you know, he's our he's our ghost." So we had done this investigation, um, and one of the things that kind of happened while we were there, one of the there was a young woman who was working the bar that night in the theater, and uh, and she told her story that she had been closing up one night, and uh, she had never heard the story. You know, she'd never heard the story of this young man who had drowned. And she was closing up and there was a a patron uh, uh, kind of lingering around as she was closing up. Um, And so she texted her boyfriend who was waiting to pick her up. And she said, can you just come in here? Because there's a guy here and uh, I just want to make sure that everyone's out of the building. But when I lock up, so her boyfriend came in, they, they did the once around the building and there was no one there. So she figured he must have left. And they went out, locked the door. And before she left, she just looked back in to make sure she had turned off all the lights. And there sitting at the box office computer, like right inside the front door, was this uh, young man. Again, this young man with kind of black coat, dark hair. And she turned to her boyfriend to say, oh, we got to go back in. The- He's still in there. That, that patron is still in there. And when she looked back, uh, it was gone. He was gone, oh. and and immediately she, you know, she phoned her supervisor and said, "Do we do we have a ghost in the building?" Um, and then, you know, uh, they told her the story. She had never she never heard the ghost story. She had, she was a new staff person, but had had this experience. And and I think interestingly, it had been a music kind of uh, show that had been happening that night, and oh. and that seems to be a recurring theme with this particular ghost, Fred, the the ghost of the LSPU hall is that he does hang around at the music shows like he would have when he was when he was alive. So he's still kind of hanging out and uh, you know enjoying some good tunes.
0: Do you think it's be- also the, the the sightings with, with him like like I I've, I've investigated some theaters here as well. And do you think it's also the energy level is so high when there's an audience there? Mm, and that's
1: yeah. What thinking, you know. Y- yeah, one of the you know I I when we were getting ready, when I was getting ready for this, one of the one of the, the theater traditions that they that they have is this uh, <laughs> appropriately named a ghost light. So lots of theaters will have this. So a ghost light is basically just a, a, a light bulb on a on a on a on a lamppost that's kind of placed in the middle of the stage when the stage is dark. You know, so once the you know the, the theater is empty, there's a light mm-hmm. that's often left burning. Um, And, you know, some people say this has a practical purpose, you know, for safety or whatnot, but theater folklore kind of says, you know, like that every theater has a ghost and that the light is there to kind of provide uh, light for those spirits who want to, you know, venture out and perform on the stage while, while the audience has all gone home. Uh, And I think it's kind of a, it's kind of, again, kind of a warm kind of ghost story, you know, Uh, because it, it shows that you know people are so passionate about those places that they want to. They they can easily imagine people's spirits wanting to linger there forever.
0: Now, a question I have too. I've been thinking, talking to you. Were you surprised? You know, once you started researching the, 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 the you know the place where you live, were you surprised how many ghost stories there were?
1: Oh my gosh! Yes, a hundred percent. You know, I mentioned that I had done this. Uh, I had written this newspaper column for for uh, many years and uh, I had published a book of ghost stories and, and the newspaper had kind of approached me and said, oh, would you write an, a, a column every week? And I, I remember at the time thinking, oh my God, like I could never come up, I was, that's like like 52 ghost stories. And I'm like, I can't even imagine I, I can come up with 52. So I said, I'll do it every other week. Um and so I was going to do 26 stories for a year, and then and then went on for like I said, eight or nine years, mm-hmm. uh, just with new stories. And and I find the more that I share stories, the more stories I get. There's there's no shortage of, of stories. Um, maybe part of that is the place where I am, but I think also as well. Uh, because people know that I am respectful of their stories, I think they're mm-hmm. more willing to share them with me. You know, uh, sometimes I think, you know, people say, you know, Oh, you know, like I've had this supernatural experience or I've seen a UFO. There are, there, there are people who immediately will think, Oh, that person's crazy. <laughs> you know? And, and no, I don't, I'm a total skeptic and I don't believe in that, but I, I always try to, like I said, be respectful of people's experience. Um, and, and, Uh, and I'm always fascinated whether, whether or not, you know, it, it may have a, a supernatural origin. I don't, I can't judge that all the time, but I always, I always love listening to a good, uh, a good ghost story. And, and I think there's something, uh, there's something very kind of powerful about people feeling that they can open up to you. Um, Uh And so I, I feel, uh, I feel good when I, when someone tells me a story and I say, Oh, you know, can I tell that story to other people? And they're like, sure. Yeah, go ahead. And, and tell it that's that's always really great
0: what are the uh, what are some of the most ha- uh, haunted buildings in, in your city
1: um there's one location that i continue to get stories about and it was um it's a big old, it looks like a haunted house. You know, it's that big old kind of Victorian looking house. It's, it's, uh, it's built on the corner of a, of a downtown street. So it kind of wraps around the corner uh, and has big, beautiful bay windows and lots of kind of uh, trim work, you know, very San Francisco kind of, you know, second empire style kind of uh, uh, property. Uh, So yeah, it looks like it should be haunted and it, it, and it is the, one local story that kind of floats around is that it was a morgue. um, But actually in doing the historical research on the property, it wasn't actually a morgue, but it was a doctor's surgery. The the building was built for two doctors. It was kind of a duplex, like they each had their own half of the building. um, And there was a doctor's surgery. So surgeries and all kinds of things took place in the building. Uh, And then over the years, uh, it's been... A whole bunch of other things. You know, it's been uh, apartments that people have rented. It was a Uh, bed and breakfast for a while it's been a number of bars and restaurants over the year Uh, the the you know you can tell how old someone is by the name they put on the building I still call it Victoria Station because that was the name of one of the bed and breakfasts and you know people who are under 30 have no idea what I'm talking about when when I talk about Victoria Station but it, um, it has a number of spirits Uh, And I think because it's one of these places that has had so many uses and so many people have worked there over the years as bar staff or restaurant staff, um, lots of people have had strange things happen Uh, and multiple ghosts. One is a a ghost of that, that staff at the time nicknamed Jacob um, and it's the ghost of kind of um, an Edwardian era kind of man, like early 1900s. And they've he's been seen standing in one of the rooms that still has the original old mantelpiece around the fireplace, kind of leaning against the mantelpiece um, and smoking a pipe with a great big mustache. Um, it's very fabulous visual uh, image other people have seen uh, a woman in the building whose identity is unknown Um, and then also lots of kind of general almost poltergeist kind of activity you know uh, people when it was a bar when there was a bar on the ground level at one point people would uh, report you know Glasses breaking by themselves. One bartender told me about how they had seen um, pint glass kind of move all the way down the bar by itself. So yeah, lots of interesting, lots of interesting things. Different chefs who've worked there over the years have told me stories about weird things happening in the kitchen. So it's it's also right across the street from one of the oldest cemeteries uh, in in the city so that and and the history of the building as being a, a surgery uh, yeah some really fascinating ghost stories so it, that that particular building is probably the one that I get more ghost stories about uh, than mm-hmm. any than any other. Uh, one of the one one of the stories I kind of love about it, not really about the ghost story itself, but uh, I was talking to the city archivist a number of years ago when it when it was a bed and breakfast, and she had said that you know one day this couple came in and wanted to know about the history of the building, and so she brought out you know the local you know atlas and and the historical records that talked about the history of the building. And she said, you know, why, just curious, why are you interested? And and they said, oh, we're guests at the B&B. And we woke up because there was this figure standing in the room and we just were curious and wanted to know about the history. And she said, okay, very good. And off they went. And then the next day, this other couple came into the archive with the exact same question said, you know, can you tell us about the history of this Victoria Station building? Um, and she said, "Oh, why did you did you have a, g- a ghost experience there?" And they said, "Yes, we we did." And she said, "Oh, you must be staying with." that other couple, the couple that was in yesterday. And the second couple had, had no knowledge of the first couple. Like they, There were two separate um, visitors, sets of visitors, like a day apart who had stayed in the same uh, location, who had had a, a, a creepy enough experience that they wanted to go to the city archive and try and find out information. So cool. definitely uh, one of the most haunted places I can think of uh, in town.
0: Now, as a ghost investigator going out, where have you had the most, the, you know, the most incredible experience as an investigator?
1: You know, I, my investigation experience is actually kind of limited. I, I, I tend to approach things more from a, uh, I guess, more of a historical uh, <laughs> viewpoint. But having said that, there is one building that I was involved with. Uh, with an investigation in. And that was uh, uh, the St. John's Masonic Temple. So it's a very old uh, Freemasons building, beautiful, great Victorian brick structure with all that amazing Masonic imagery, you know, the great all seeing eye of the architect and lots of pillars and uh, Masonic symbols everywhere. And another building that has had just an incredible history of, of ghost stories. Um, And I was part of an investigation there and where people were, uh, you know, experienced all kinds of different things. Um, Some of the things that had happened there in the past had been around, you know, kind of typical ghostly, you know, activities, you know, things like uh, pictures that moved on their hooks or the sound of uh, footsteps. Um, but my favorite story for that building was actually about a wedding that was held in one of the lodge rooms. And the wedding was allowed, I guess, because the groom's grandfather was a senior, had been a senior member of the, of the Masons, but had passed away. And so it was kind of in this man's memory or honor that the wedding was allowed to be carried out in the lodge room. Uh, and there was a, a judge who was presiding over the wedding. Uh, and he kind of entered the, the room at the start of the wedding and he had a lit candle and he walked across the room. And, he, and the judge himself told me this story that he got to that spot and the, the candle went out. So he went back and relit the candle and kind of walked across the room again. And the candle went out a second time. Now, this is a windowless room. You know, there's, it's a it's a closed space. Uh, and so at that point, he just went to the front of the room and he lit the candle and continued with the wedding. And after the wedding, someone pointed out that the spot where the candle had extinguished twice was directly between two portraits of the groom's grandfather on opposite sides of the room and it was in this spot between the two of them that the 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 candle had gone out twice and so people said you know oh well it was you know Mr. So-and-so who was who was coming back to participate in a wedding he couldn't attend in the flesh sort of thing. Um, so yeah, the, definitely that was the that was the property. um beautiful property, kind of creepy, uh lots of strange things happened in that in that space.
0: What a fascinating area you live in it's really active.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it is. um the downtown part of St. John's, the capital city, you know, it has this long history and and like a lot of colonial old colonial cities, you know. a a very long history of murders and hangings and and those kinds of things. So again, that kind of history and that kind of energy, you know, lends itself to ghost stories or or ghostly sightings.
0: Tell me about your tours now because you do take tours, right?
1: Yeah. So uh, I I started back in 97 running the St. John's haunted hike. Uh, so we take people on tours through the, the downtown part of the city, um, and uh, the that the tour has changed over the years. You know, we have a number of different kind of routes that we will take, or a couple different themed tours that we will we will do. Um, it's a great it's a great way for me to it's a great excuse for me to ask really nosy questions about people's properties and their experiences. Um, but it's also a great way for, uh, locals and tourists to kind of, uh, see a side of the town that you wouldn't normally uh, get to see. Mm -hmm. So I have run those. There's a, a large hill kind of overlooking the city. That's a national historic site. There's great big stone tower up at the top. Uh, there were uh, it was the last spot where the English and the French fought on land in North America in a great battle of the Signal Hill, um, so lots of ghost stories there. And I've worked with Parks Canada, which is kind of our version of the the U.S. Park Service, mm-hmm. to do ghost to do a ghost program up there. And and I'm hoping that you know to kind of continue to to do new stuff and and partner with other other places. I uh, one of the other kind of interesting bits of folklore that's popular here are stories about the fairies. Um, And so I was actually having a conversation today with a botanical uh, garden about maybe doing something around fairies at the botanical garden. and the fairies in Newfoundland are not the nice kind of gossamer winged, pretty fairies at the end of the garden. They're quite, um, they're quite dangerous and, and quick to anger. So uh, most people want to avoid the fairies here because of the, the things that they might do to you if, they, if you trespass on their grounds.
0: See, now you've opened up that door. Tell, tell me more about the fairies.
1: <laughs> yeah, so again, we have this long history, like a lot of the early settlers who came here came from Ireland, um, but also from the west country of England, like Devon and Dorset kind of area, where there's a great tradition of people being pixie led, you know, having, having these little people kind of lead them off into bogs or overcliffs or those kinds of things. Um, And so it has become a, it it really was a firm part of local folk belief, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so people, lots of people grew up with their grandmothers having, uh, you know, little charms or something like the local, one of the local traditions is that if you want to protect yourself against the fairies, your, your grandmother would always put a little piece of bread in your pocket when you went out. So that I guess the idea was that the fairies would take the bread instead of taking the child kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or people would, um, you know, if, if they were worried about uh, their babies being stolen and replaced with a changeling child, they would have little ways of protecting them. Um, iron or silver is generally a good kind of protection. So people would often, you know, pin... Um, maybe even a coin, like a silver coin, like into the, the child's clothing or into the, their, their crib or whatnot, just to keep the, keep the fairies at, at bay. Uh, one of the stories is that fairies couldn't have their own children, you know? So they were, they were constantly needing to steal away uh, human, human children. Um, and I actually kind of love the fairy stories. Uh, ghost stories in some ways are predictable, Uh, You know, like there's someone who has unfinished business or something terrible happened and something happens on the anniversary of that terrible thing. Uh, Whereas the fairy stories are a little bit weird, (laughs) you know, a little bit more unpredictable. Uh, The fairies just kind of act in ways that aren't necessarily human. You know, they, they do strange things for no, for no reason. Um, There's a great story near where my wife is from about a, uh, a man who went out to cut wood in the winter I mean, he had a horse and a sled and he had gone up in the, uh, to cut firewood and he'd gone up this path and he didn't come home. And his wife uh, got worried when he didn't come home, it was getting very late. And so she, you know, called for the neighbor and the neighbor uh, went up the path and found the, the horse and cart. Uh, and the cart was laden down with wood and this man was, they're lying on top of the pile of the wood, uh, uh, dead, cold in death. And so they brought him down and they waked him and buried him. And, and the woman who told me the story said, you know, and people always said that he was killed by the fairies. And I said, well, how did they know? Like, how did they know that it was the fairies and that he just didn't have a heart attack or something like that? And she said, oh, when, when, he, when they found his body, He had a tiny little red handprint burned into the side of his face. And so people always said that the fairies had smacked him in some way. Um, And then years later, I was reading a book by um, an Irish uh, folklore uh, lover uh, and collector of stories, Eddie Lenahan, a great, great Irish storyteller. Um, and he had an Irish story where a very very similar thing uh, happened. Um, so, and this was in a very Irish, uh, Irish Catholic kind of community where this this uh, death by fairy had occurred. Um, also, have, there's a great story from the same community. Uh, there's a great story about a man who was out with his horse uh, again, in, in, in and a strange fog came up. He was coming home with his horse. Um, lots of people had a pony or a horse for you know work. And uh, the fog came up and he couldn't kind of figure out where he was. And then when the fog lifted, he was like a mile away from where he had been on an island in the middle of a pond. Um, and so he, <laughs> he had to swim home. He left the horse on the island uh, and swam to shore and had to wait. It was, I guess, getting late in the year, had to wait until the pond froze over so that he could get the horse back home. So how how did he get there with the with the horse? Uh, and people said, "Oh, you know, it was the fairies. The fairies were the one that came and transported him all that distance uh, uh, to this crazy. this location." Um, and so some of the some of the stories we hear in more modern day, um, you know, some of these old stories, like the things that fairies did, like. Fairies would abduct people. There would be missing time. You know, if if a if fairies abducted you, you would come back and, you know, you would think minutes had gone, but really, you know, hours had gone. You would be transported these impossible distances. Um, the fairies in Newfoundland, uh, if you um, did something that they didn't like, they would shoot what we would call a blast. They would shoot something into your body, like some sort of foreign material, and you would get like a a blister or something and open it up and there would be like bits of twigs or bones or feathers or something inside it. Um, They would make, you know, circles in the grass. Um, And all of these ancient, ancient things that the fairies would do. Things like abductions and implantations and crop circles. Like, are are these ringing any bells, (laughs) you know? Like, these are kind of the things that we now talk about when we talk about alien abduction stories. Um, Mm -hmm. But here, you know, people always would say, oh yeah, that was the fairies. And, And those stories go back a very, very long time. You know, before we had this kind of technological lens that we put on those, people were still telling those kinds of stories.
0: You know, it makes you wonder. You know, like you say, there's there's a lot of connection in this between you know the fairy stories and the alien stories. And you know, my my thoughts on that are that you know people are are, are built on their folklore. They're used to doing with their folklore. So when they see an, you know, if they're going to see an alien that's three feet tall, maybe they're thinking they're fairies. Who knows?
1: Yeah, little green men. Who knows?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the thing that makes me wonder too, why Newfoundland, why why are the fairies so aggressive so nasty and aggressive?
1: <laughs> because we're so close to Ireland. I think that's it. It's just like a pond in the way. Yeah. <laughs> Great big pond. You're
0: yeah. just a sloppy second for the Irish. Yeah. <laughs> these are these are really cool stories. And and I admire you for collecting them like you have.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's I I I love it. You know, I I'm, I'm blessed that I get to do what I love and, uh, and people are fascinated by the stories that I, that I collect and, you know, and people are always really, the thing I get from kids all the time, like sometimes I'll get asked to talk to a school group or something and, Mm -hmm. and kids will, the question that kids always ask is, are, are these true? And, and I can always say yet that in a sense, yes, all the stories I tell are true because I don't. Uh, they're not fictional, you know, (laughs) they're not stories that I've I've made up. They're all stories that have been told to me by someone else or, you know, that I've found newspaper clippings about or something. So Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I am, I am a storyteller, but I, I love telling those stories that are kind of already out there in the community um, and being that person that, you know, collects stories and then shares them. And, and, you know, the other thing that I always say to kids, you know, if they say, oh, is that a true story? I'm like, well, what do you, what do you believe? You know, what do you think? You know, you can, you can make those decisions for yourself, you know, but whether you believe or don't believe, um, I'll give you the information as it has been presented to me or the, the findings. Of what people have investigated. And then you can go off and, and uh, develop that curiosity for yourself.
0: Do you think the stories will ever end?
1: No. No. <laughs> I think we are, as, as a species, that's one of the things that we do, you know? Um, and uh, I can't imagine a world without these kinds of stories. I think there will always be. Even, you know, again, we, we live in this kind of modern technological. Uh, age, but, you know, we still don't like to walk under ladders or, you know, have black cats cross our paths. Or, you know, you you look at, you know, people who are are professional sports players who have all these amazing superstitions. And it's, it's that same kind of magical thinking we've had for centuries. Uh, And that's just part of who we are. It's in our human DNA, I think. I think it'll always be with us.
0: What do you say to people that are starting to get interested in, in, in ghosts and, 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 lore like that?
1: Um, I think the, the thing that I always encourage people to do is to, if you are interested in it, um, just start asking around your, your small circle to start with, like start talking to your friends, your family, your older neighbors, and just kind of ask about, you know, are there places in my community that that have ghost stories? You know, I, I, there's nothing wrong with like going online and or bu- going to the library and getting a book about ghost stories from somewhere else. But I think sometimes we neglect the stories that are right next door. So that's what I'm, wherever you are from. Um, and those, again, like those are the kinds of stories I'm, I'm more interested in. Like uh, when I go to a place, I want to hear the local story. Uh, so I think that's one thing I would encourage people to do. I also think sometimes when people get – when they're interested in – you know, for example, in paranormal investigation, you know, they've watched the TV shows or they've watched the YouTube channels um, and they think they have to spend all this money on equipment uh, right. and, and whatnot. And uh, and then I think sometimes people are disappointed, you know, when they, because the, you know, they don't immediately capture, you know, EVP or, you know, orbs or whatever they, they are trying to collect technologically. Um, I think sometimes the most... Underutilized um, piece of equipment is our own perception, you know? Um, okay. And I think a big part of it is just being open and listening uh, and interacting with the places where we are. I think that's really, really important. Um, and I think so. I think that's a really good practical uh, place for people to start.
0: Do you think, you know, since only paranormal, paranormal shows have been on, that it's a lot easier? to approach people or for people to talk about this stuff?
1: Yeah, I think it is. You know, I, you know, it's amazing like how many paranormal podcasts there are now and lots of people are doing it or having YouTube channels or whatever. Um, I think, I think there is less of a, I don't know, like less of a, it's not, it's not so new agey anymore. You know, like people, it's all, it's something that I think has a broader appeal. That's one of the really interesting things that I find we were talking about my ghost tours, you know, I am always fascinated by who comes on the ghost tours because it's not, it's not necessarily the true believers who come, you know, it's a, it's a huge range of people. People will say, what's your typical audience? And like, I get everything from teenagers to seniors, you know, we get, uh, you know, professional people, we get, uh, you know all every every walk of life um we get the hardcore skeptics who want to disprove everything. we get the believers, we get those people who are there just for the entertainment. Um, but I think everyone is hungry for something uh, in terms of, you know, they want to believe that there is more to the world than what we just see in our daily lives um and i think that that is something that really cuts across all kinds of boundaries and cultures you know we we're all kind of hungry for this uh, this kind of experience of you know otherworldliness or magic you know there isn't enough magic in our in our daily life and i think it's something that people are very starved for in some way
0: absolutely so what's next for you
1: what's next for me uh I'm uh, right now I'm working on another book very slowly on that's specifically focusing on haunted houses. Um, cool. So I'm, I'm, I've got, a, I've got a, actually a great list of properties that I need to uh, dig, uh, dig into. So I've started that. I'm kind of working my way down through my, through my list. Um, and, and, and part of that is just kind of letting people know, you know, doing things like this and saying, you know, I am, I'm looking for your, your stories. Cause I don't want it to be all historical stories. I want it to be a mix of historical and contemporary stories and, and true experiences. So, uh, I, I'm, that's my, that's one of my big projects, uh, right now. Um, and then hopefully coming up in the, in the spring spring maybe uh you know this this investigation that we did at the LSBU hall in saint john's was very very popular um and uh so i think we'll try to be organizing more of those uh we had a wait list of people and one of the things i've been doing is asking people you know uh which properties do you want to be able to go into uh, and and investigate and so i've got a great list of those as well. so i think it's going to be a busy it's, next year's going to be busy <laughs> i think sounds i've got like a lot it. of work ahead of me.
0: sounds like it how can people how can people find you?
1: People can find me hauntedhike.com or they can find me on social media, Dale Jarvis. Uh, I'm easy to track down. Dalejarvis.ca is my, is my personal uh, blog uh, website. Um, And if you're on TikTok, Dale Jarvis, ghost stories, uh, give me a follow. I'm on Twitter and all the usual uh, social media as well.
0: Sounds great. This was fantastic. I had a blast talking to you. It's fascinating. It makes me want to fly up there.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you. I I enjoyed it.
0: Absolutely. Hopefully, we can get you back on. You know, and and talk more about this stuff. That was great. Perfect. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Take care. Thanks. Okay. Bye bye. All right. That was Dale Jarvis, and uh, fantastic, fantastic. Tomorrow, the show is going to be at one p.m. I have a great guest tomorrow. If you're into ancient Egypt, I've got the guest for you. Uh, and and archaeologist Ann Williams is going to be here to talk about ancient Egypt. She sent me one of her books. It was a, it was a pictorial book she did with National Geographic. Fantastic book. King Tut's Treasures, the whole ball game. So we're going to be talking about all that, Mysteries of Ancient Egypt tomorrow. That's 1 p.m., so remember that. For you guys that are working tomorrow, of course, it'll be up on Facebook and available for you to see. Okay? So you're not going to miss it. You're not going to miss out on it. Anyway, I want to thank everybody for coming tonight. I really appreciate it. I don't know where I dropped off or why I dropped off. I'll have to email StreamYard and see what happened with that. Because that's not supposed to happen. But at least it was for only a half second. So, I you know, it's not like I, I went away forever. But uh, thanks, everybody, for coming. And, uh, again, if you like the show, share it, with, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five people. We're equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio. Be sure to check us out on Facebook. And uh, we do have two California Haunts radio pages over there, and there's also a California Haunts ghostly events where all these all these shows pop up on too, so you, so you can check them out. Because uh, we do broadcast based. Ah, nothing wants to run. We do broadcast Facebook live as well. Uh, you know, and again, if you are watching from Facebook and you're on one of those pages, please hit the like button, and hit the follow button, because i you know we're always looking for followers. Same thing with YouTube, of course. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, You can also find us on TikTok, California Haunts, all lowercase. Uh, And you can find us on Twitter at Cal Haunts. And, well, oh, yes, Instagram. Again, Only that's under Ghosty Gal. So G-H-O-S-T-Y-G-A-L, all lowercase. Anyway, I want to thank everybody for coming tonight. I really appreciate it. I'll show you some of his books. And, of course, you can get those at Amazon. And then we're going to call it tonight, okay? So I will see you tomorrow at 1 p.m. Pacific for Ann Williams. So here we go. Hopefully this little button works. Stupid button. Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Which way did it go? Oh, I've got two things up here. Wow. Hang on a second. Oh, there we go. almost hit Nancy's stuff. Okay, here we go. Haunted Shores. Haunted Waters. Dale Jarvis. I love those kind of stories, you know. and haunted ground. But he also has several other books. And I just you know there was just not enough room to get them all in. So check it out. Amazon.com. Check out his books. He's got if you're into like ghost, you know, ghost hunt books and hauntings, he's the guy to go to. All right guys, I will see you tomorrow. Have a nice evening.